Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome, in everybody, to another live edition of 410 Sports Talk. I'm Glenn Martin here with my co host, James Haskell, and of course, DK in the back running the show. Uh, big, exciting, exciting time uh, here at 410 Sports Talk. You know, the Ravens coming off a win, getting the London. It uh, like th- that whole London experience last time. It's in the past. They got the dub, seemingly came back without any. I- I'll be honest, Jim. I was worried going into that game with the with that field, with the turf. I think a lot of the players were also concerned. And the good news is, while they did come out with some 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 injuries. It, it wasn't any of these, uh, like the, the Buffalo Bills having to deal with Matt Milano's broken leg and, and any of those. There wasn't any season enders in this one. Yeah, some nicks, some bruises, some bumps, things like that. Uh, so, yeah, I agree with you. Happy that the guys have, uh, I'm assuming at this point, made it back through customs safely mm-hmm. and uh, ready to rock for, for this week, of course, against the Detroit Lions. Uh, and I'm no. always excited for a two- Yeah, I'm always excited for a Tuesday night show. Uh, because you know it's it's fun to review the the game and usually you wrap it up on a positive note looking forward to the next game and so it's a good opportunity to kind of review the past talk about it give, give everybody updates on kind of what's going on and then look forward uh to uh to this uh, upcoming sunday as you know just like you said a good one it's possible anyone somebody can call me crazy but it's possible the detroit lions are the a uh, top three team in the nfc right now I mean, oh, they have a top 10. Top three. Yeah, they, have, they have might be the best. 10, yeah, they might be the best. They have a top 10 defense and a top 10 offense. I don't know how many teams can say that. Right, right. now, the AFC is undefeated. No, last week, the, the AFC went undefeated against NFC teams. So you can tell which conference is superior. Uh, but certainly, the, uh, the NFC has got a good one in the Detroit Lions right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. They, uh, they look like they could be the real deal, and when you see the the lot or the Eagles and the and the Niners take a take a bit of a spill last week and and lose winnable games, you start to look around and go, well, maybe those two aren't the the class of the NFC, and maybe the the Lions are kind of going to try and take that mantle from them. I, I will tell you this, Jimbo, uh, uh, Sean Pisker does say keep those eyes on the road. Okay. Okay. Hey, uh, look, Sean, I didn't even see the comment, so that's how you know <laughs> I'm 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 straight ahead ten and two. Don't you worry. I'm considering. Right. I'm I'm acting as as though this is a phone call. Good. The way I'm viewing this. Absolutely, absolutely. So you and get I, my profile today is what you get. You get my good side. And good good news, chat. If we do see uh, like Sean Pisker pull up behind him, uh, we'll see the flashing lights right in the right over his shoulder here on camera. So we'll know <laughs> we'll know when it's getting crazy. Uh, yeah, you don't want to get pulled over. Uh, but I, that injuries is kind of where I wanted to start, Jimbo. Because yeah, we let's did, do it. We did get an update as much as you can, I guess, from uh, from John Harbaugh on the injury situation, and he talked about a bunch of guys. And I, 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 I look, he talk, it looks like Marcus Williams has a hamstring injury. He's calling it week to week right now. He got injured, if you guys don't remember, on the Geno Stone interception return, where he kind of got he got blocked and he kind of got tangled up a little bit. Wait, um, you said Mark Andrews? I'm sorry, Marcus Williams. Jeez. Okay. Mark yeah. Andrews. Yeah. Yeah. All good. All good. I was like. Wait, uh, you know yeah. what? That's the problem when you're talking and reading at the same time. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you, you gotta you gotta focus up. Marcus Williams, who I mean, look, it, it, it's he's playing with one arm, but he's still out there making plays, Jimbo. He somehow tackles uh Derrick Henry after the 65-yard run with one arm. He makes a huge pass breakup, which I think if he had he should have had two. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. By the way, when you, I can't wait to hear Cole's reaction to the all twenty-two footage of that that PI that they called on Marcus Williams when he's standing there waiting for the damn ball. Uh, but he gets hurt. He it looks like he's going to miss some time. They're calling it week to week. What's your thoughts on on Marcus Williams playing through a peck and now he has the hammy? Yeah, you know, I mean, he's uh, he's he's the ultimate champion, the ultimate professional. You know, trying to be out there as much as he can for his team. 
And I hope he gets better. I hope he gets right. The nice thing is that we have a guy like Gino Stone who, if I'm not mistaken, did I read this correctly? Gino is tied for league lead in interceptions right now. Is he really? I did not know that. Wow. Which he's only got two. So I guess there's not a lot of uh, turnovers happening league wide. DK, check me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I read that correctly. Which uh, shout out to Gino Stone. So it's nice to have a guy like Gino back there. Oh, he has three this year already. Yeah. Wait, what three? Well, he's got the uh, he's got the one against uh, Burrow. He's got the one this past week, and then he's what's the third one? Yeah. I know he's got three. I just can't remember the third one. Did he get one against Gardner? No, that was uh, that was Brandon Stevens got the tip against Gardner. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Either way, a shout out to Geno Stone, man. Uh, yeah. But so it, it makes me feel. What I'm trying to say with that is that it does make me feel one better. Ah, it makes me feel better about the situation with Marcus because yeah. at least we know we have a guy back there who's, you know, doing similar things that we know Marcus to do, right? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, this guy's been un freaking believable i hope they find a way to keep him around a couple other injury notes uh urban has a stinger so hopefully he'll be able to get back out there they call, he's called uh Kevin hey, he's gonna rub some maple syrup on it he'll be good to go dude he'll be good oh, to go dude, i can't see him missing for a stinger no way no he's a canadian hockey player because his tooth knocked out and he's back on the he just rips it out you know dude, imagine urban's size on skates how like, what is this, seven foot something with skates? I mean, holy yeah, he's, he's got to be close, right? He's what six seven. Yeah, he's a big dude. He's a big. You put some so, blades on him. Holy smokes, that's a big boy moving really quick. Uh, Kavon Seymour, uh, he, he called the Kavon Seymour injury not overly serious, so that's good news. He always can use quality depth at the DB position. Um, uh, Harrison, um, uh, why am I blanking on his first name? Malik Harrison? Malik. Jeez. Okay. Jeez. I'm like, M- 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 Malik Harrison is in the concussion protocol, which, you know, that's not good. You know, you want, you, he's been playing playing the run really, really well. You hope he can somehow get through the concussion protocol because they're going to need him against uh, against the Lions. I know they have some injury issues at running back, but I, it looks like Gibbs might play, so we're going to need all the help we can, we can get stacking the edge. Let's see how that kind of progresses through the week. Adafe Owe, he says it's looking close with Adafe, which would be a huge boost, and especially if Malik Harrison is out with the concussion. Uh, it looks like David Ajabo is going to get himself back from the high ankle sprain in the next few weeks. So help is on the way at the outside linebacker position in some ways, but in other ways it's it's getting a little bit, little bit, little bit yeah. confused. Tyus Bowser, they were asked about the health status of Tyus Bowser. John Harbaugh said, I'm going to let – Tyus comment on that. He said the situation has gotten complicated um, over the last couple weeks, and he has some choices and decisions to make. So, what do you, what do you make of uh, of Tyus Bowser's current situation? Uh oh. You know, I'll say this. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, you're good. You, oh, okay, cool. I was gonna say, I think that one of the things that John's struggling with, in general as a coach, is like the new age. Uh, view on injuries like john has done a really great job at adapting his coaching style and staying up with you know relating to the to the current players and stuff but i think sometimes he still finds himself a bit frustrated which is okay i think he's a little frustrated with tyus um i'm not excited about it i want tyus bowser out there he's obviously a valuable piece to a very thin room that we have because now you're depending on a guy kyle van noy who's off the street albeit durable in his career, but on the other side of it, Jadavian Clowney, who is the very opposite of that. I didn't know that Jadavian Clowney has played for the most NFL teams in NFL history for a number one overall draft pick. I didn't know that either. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But all, all that being said, I mean, we know that a big reason why Clowney has been bouncing around from team to team is because he hasn't been overly reliable throughout his career. You know, he's not the healthiest guy. So it does make me a little nervous uh, that, you know, now Ty is in the back and there seems to be a little bit of frustration from the coaching staff. Um, you, I know that we kind of have some ideas on what's kind of going on, but do we have any, like, did we get, did we see a tweet from any sort of sources kind of talking about that? 
I haven't heard anything about it. So I, yeah. I, I'm left to speculate. And, and when I do that, right. I think, is this a scenario where he was hurt training before training camp, whatever he was doing, playing basketball, whatever, you know, like Terrell Suggs, whatever he was doing, he was hurt training. And maybe he decided, look, I'm going to try and rehab it and not get surgery. And maybe now he's to the point where maybe there was a step back or it's not progressing how he was hoped to. And now he's opting to get surgery. Could be that. Or it could be like a Ronnie Stanley thing where John thinks, hey, he looks like he's ready to be back at practice. Why isn't he back at practice? And Bowser in his camp may be saying, I'm not 100% and I'm, I'm close, but until I'm at 100%, I'm not going to be out there. So I, I'm again, speculation, have no idea, but uh, hopefully we'll get some clarity on the situation. Cause man, he's a heck of a player, a versatile player. It'd be nice to have him. Yeah. It's, I think we're all like this as humans. It's no knock on players. Cause I totally get it, but isn't it so crazy how it is? I believe it is almost impossible to mentally trick your brain into being as hungry as you are when you're trying to get that first contract or trying to break through or trying to make it to the next level, once you get there to maintain that like drive, no matter what willing to sacrifice your body type situation or type mindset, it's so hard to simulate that. You know what I mean? Cause you see it with Ronnie, you see it with, and it's not a knock. I don't mean this to knock the guy. Like everyone's been given Deshaun Watson a hard time. And I guess rightfully so being that Derek Carr is out there, but, Deshaun's got 235 million, 100% guaranteed. Tyson Bowser, of course, and on our team, he got his bag, right? Like relative mm-hmm. to to his role, and so it's kind of crazy just how powerful that can be. And and obviously, you want guys to get paid. I want guys to get paid for their for their worth. I, I totally get it. But it's just an interesting thing. So it'll be interesting to see how this whole thing plays out. I just hope that long term, he gets to where he needs to be, and there's no fracture in the relationship with the Ravens and and uh and bowser yeah yeah because look at the end of the day since he's gotten his contract he hasn't done a ton right you know what i mean his best year clearly was in the final year of his rookie deal so i I just wonder if there starts to be funny how it works like that like it's it's a shame because i don't think you know you know it's anything intentional out of bowser but it's it does. It does seem like when the Ravens sign a guy, boom! Right after that, something happens, and and yeah. I think it's league wide, don't you? I mean, I think a lot. Sure. It's just how it goes, you know, in a lot of places. Just how it is. They want um, everybody to be like Roquan, right? You know what I mean? Like Roquan's just all ball, loves it. Will run through fire, play on asphalt. It doesn't matter how much money you yeah. pay him. He's gonna he's gonna put his body on the line. Like everybody, right. if every, Football player could have the Roquan mindset. I think there'd be a lot of happy. Because well, he do it, he do it for free. If you could right. pay him enough to just simply live, <laughs> then he would play football. You know what I mean? Like, just yeah, give man. him an apartment, an apartment, food to eat, and he's good. And just don't arrest him after he just wrecks people every Sunday. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sean Pisker says, "I feel like now that Zay's got his first touchdown, he's gonna light it up." What do you guys mm-hmm. think? Well, I tell you what, I'd like, I'd like to see some more. I mean, I agree with you, but I'd like to see some more vertical plays from him. I, I we saw the, yeah. the the deep pass in the um, was that the Pittsburgh game that he caught the no what the, what game was it that he caught no, the uh, the, the Bengals Pittsburgh game? game he had, yeah, he had one in the Bengals game, but the Pittsburgh the game was the, I don't know was the was the drop was not the drop the fall. Remember he fell. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, I, I I'd like to see some more down the field stuff, uh, not just with him, but with everyone. Uh, but yeah. but him him also because I've been seeing a lot of stuff around the line of scrimmage, which I like. But I want to see some more stuff down the field. Well, Jimbo, I think we we we, we can't wait any longer. We got to bring our um. All right, let's do it. I got some serious in. questions to ask. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal your thunder, Jimbo, because I'm gonna snatch the first one. If you ask my question, I'm I always ask the it. one you want. Uh, so yeah. welcome back to the show, Cole Jackson. Cole, how you doing tonight? Doing good, boys. How are you guys doing? Doing doing, doing well. Doing well. Um. I, Look, I'm not going to hit you with a, a softball with the first one. I'm going to go right to the tough stuff here, Cole, because I I think I've I think it's pretty easy to see, and I think you you I think I've, I may have seen your tweet um, about this this exact uh, conversation. It's pretty clear why the Ravens or what's wrong with the Ravens' offense, and it's it's their red zone offense that was ridiculous and number Glenn. one league wide. I did it again, didn't I? 
I did it again. I took your question. Go ahead. It has completely seemingly fallen off the cliff. They go one for six in their red zone trips last week when they were at 80% through the first four weeks. So, Cole, what the hell has happened over these last couple weeks to the red zone offense? Yeah, so, I mean, it was 80% through weeks one to four, and now it's down to 22% through weeks five and six. So, um, 80% 80 was never going to be sustainable. That's, you know, record setting. But, um, you know, the regression to the mean, uh, I don't really see that as some sort of excuse. Like, of course they were going to regress. Sure, they were going to regress, but not to the tune of 22%. Um, So, this is actually what I focused my Monday video on. Um, so if you guys want to check it out and check out the plays that failed in the red zone, go check out road graders um, did a whole breakdown on this, looking specifically at the issues. Um, I, there's a, it's, I mean, this is one of those multifaceted things. I think one thing that bothered me was they got out of using quarterback option concepts and when they were trying to run the football and that's not ideal. Like you, we had the play right on the goal line, right on the one where they lined Lamar up and empty and, and tried to basically run QB power with him. And I think everyone and their dog knew that play was coming. Um, and the Titans D-line just attacked. It's just when when the, when the boundary at the back of the end zone acts as basically a 12th man because you don't have to protect the deep, right? So you can kind of bring guys up. Taking Lamar Jackson, the most dynamic runner in the NFL, out of what the defense has to read isn't smart football. It basically makes them play 11 on 11. Not all teams get that advantage. If you have Jared Goff, we'll see this week. We're not like, it's not that you can just completely ignore him, but you're not going to read him the way you're going to read Lamar Jackson. So that was frustrating. And it was funny because they did run a zone read uh, that Lamar took for, he got right inside the five. I think it was a seven yard gain. They ran a, pass read option where they faked a screen out to the right hand side and Lamar kept it back inside that went for about six yards so when they did use QB option concepts they were successful but they tried to run that toss they tried to run just running back counter Um, they tried to run it Gus up the middle at the right guards ass three times in a row Um, so there was just some plays where I'm just it doesn't make sense to me um So that was kind of how I saw it. But then you get into the finer execution issues. The offensive line, who misses the days when our offensive line used to blow guys off the line? Oh, no. Um, We don't have that anymore. It's starting to fade. And I actually, like, we can get into this a lot later when we're getting towards the draft. But the Ravens need to really think about overhauling the way that they're evaluating and drafting offensive linemen. I think they need to get more athletic guys, more in the Linderbaum mold. Um, again, different conversation, but I think it's starting to catch up to them. They've had some, you know, some busts, some guys like Tyree Phillips, Ben Bredesen that aren't on the team anymore. Um, you know, John Simpson's not getting it done. He hasn't been playing very well. Uh, Zeitler just, he's a great pass protector. He doesn't have the juice in the run game. So they're not winning those battles one-on-one and it's never the same guy over and over again. It's always one guy loses. How many times do we talk about this? Almost every week. Um, so that's happening down in the red zone and causing issues. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. One thing that you didn't mention that uh, the Ravens seem to magically forget is uh, Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews in the red zone. I mean, your doppelganger is out there picking his nose because no one's even thinking about throwing the football. To me, I agree with you. I mean, I think it's multifaceted. It is and it isn't. Like, to me, it's it's a it's an equation – Right, where eight plus eighty-nine equals seven to me. Like we want the ball in eight's hands or eighty-nine's hands. And I I don't really care if they know because these two play so well together in such a great synergy that like if you roll Lamar out and force that defense, like you said, to respect him as a passer and then allow Mark to run a route and break off of it if Lamar, you know, if if Lamar does decide to scramble, whatever the case may be, but we got to get the ball to Mark in the red zone. Like, for me, the frustrating part was the force feeding to OBJ. Uh, that was a bit like, but So, really, my question to you is to follow up with that is, why didn't they get the ball to you – know, like, is there anything logical that you can – that you saw in watching the film? It's like, okay, this is why Mark wasn't given the ball, as far as I understand and I saw, at all in the red zone. 
Well, they didn't pass the ball much in the red zone, so that's number <laughs> one. Uh, number two was he was getting doubled with safety over top, and it was actually um, trying to remember. I think it was the what play would it have been? I can't even. I can't remember which play it is. It's in my breakdown. Uh, Mark Andrews gets doubled, and the guy that had the one-on-one set up and actually had a had a man, or a foot on his guy uh, running a, a corner fade was Rashad Bateman. And they're basically Bateman's almost going the way of Miles Boykin, where the defense is just kind of letting him do what he wants because um, he's not getting the targets. <laughs> um, he's not really getting looked at seriously. Uh, I'm really worried about he's just kind of lost the trust of Lamar and basically he's only getting hit on manufactured play action passes like his one catch on the on the weekend was just him running a drag um, on the rollout. So that was what I found interesting. They the defense adjusted on pass plays to doubling Mark Andrews because they know that's where eight wants to go and it left the boundaries you know, in single coverage. And that's where you want to be able to throw those opportunities. Obviously it didn't work against Pittsburgh. They, they got the interception off of uh, one of those plays. And I don't really want to see a bunch of uh, a bunch of fades in the, in the red zone, but it was there. Bateman did have a step and it just wasn't even remotely being considered um, in the reads. Yeah. I'll tell you what, last thing I'll say in, in regards to the red zone, I know that you talked about them running Gus into the, to the, into the right guard, but Hey, at least he was on the field this time. Yep. This was on the field, and they gave it a try because we were talking about two weeks ago, 43s trotting in the game in the red zone, and I'm like scratching my head. What is happening here? So if there's one positive takeaway from the red zone stuff, I felt like it was at least like, all right, you got, you got to keep 35 in the game in my opinion. So, um, <laughs> yeah, but I think we need to find a way to get Mark the ball. I think it's uh, – yeah, something's got to change. You got to get this red zone back on. Uh, hey, Jimbo, it's got yeah. some ro- road noise in the back. If, yeah. It, uh, yeah, if you could. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, but All right, hey, well, Cole, let me get my second question in, though, Glenn. I'm going to steal your thunder this time. You're not going to hop behind. I don't think so, but go ahead. All right, so <laughs> I want to talk about this Marcus Williams pass interference. <laughs> we, we talked about it before you hopped on. Uh, um, so which then, one? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Uh, you know, the very first one early on in the game where Marcus Williams, in my opinion, just simply beat the beat the, the receiver to the spot. And, and I, you know, I think if he had two healthy hands, he would have made the interception, but ultimately was called to pass interference because, one, DeAndre Hopkins pulled a, a Chris Paul and basically invaded his space and then No, and let's, let's face it, he cried like a little bitch. Like, let's call it what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. Well, how bad was it in the coach? No, game? so uh, it's it's actually this is one of the this is a great play to give an example of why I love all twenty two because you just you can't see it on broadcast, so you can perfectly see just with the angle where they were on the field, you can see the ball uh, going through the air on the whole throw. I, I did a tweet with it. Um, I'll try and grab the tweet and throw it in the YouTube chat so folks can check it out. Um, but you can see the ball the whole time and Marcus Williams doesn't make contact until the ball's already coming down from its trajectory. And at that point, that ball is anybody's game, right? Like that's a, that's an yeah. open ball. So, and that's without getting into the fact that the contact was minimal at best. Um, and to be completely honest, the ball was overthrown. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I made the joke that, uh, the one that they threw, I, I think it was on Brandon Stevens. It's the one that they threw and then picked up and didn't call the penalty. Um, but the ball landed like I said, it landed in Ireland. It landed six yards so out of bounds. Yeah. Um, so it was it was similar in that sense where, and I don't think that part of the rule gets considered enough. Um, the ball has to be catchable, and it was it was sailing. And I actually think if I have any critique of Marcus Williams on that play, he didn't read the ball very well because he got too far upfield. Um, so, you know, that was also a factor, but it wasn't catchable. It, and, and I mean that, that happened early in the game, right? Like they got two between that and the roughing the passer call on mm-hmm. Michael Pierce. They basically got two bailouts right out. The next play after the roughing the passer was the 80 yard gain by Henry. Right. And that was on third down. So, um, you know, in the first half, Baltimore shot themselves in the foot, but Tennessee got bailed out on two drives that led to scores. So that has to factor in as well. Yeah, that was a unbelievably bad. And game don't get me opinion. started on Jeffrey Simmons because oh oh I have he's my next question. That <laughs> big oh that big pos is what he is. That guy is absolute garbage. Anyone who didn't see 
that replay of him diving senselessly at at the ankle and 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 knee of Zay Flowers, like another Tyler Linderbaum saves the day in many ways. I think he may have saved an injury there by the way he stepped in. And shout to OBJ for coming to his defense. I mean, any like how could did, did they ask Jeffrey Simmons about that play after the game? Because I'd love to hear his explanation of diving and torpedoing at a guy's ankle. Uh, I don't think he did. I think he got to the. Uh, I think he got to the plane as soon as he could to get out of London. What a dirtbag that guy is. Uh, Sean has a question for you, Cole. He said, "Would you say Lamar's pick this week was more on Lamar or more on Rashad Bateman?" I can't figure it out. This has been an interesting one. So, I mean, you saw the angle, or sorry, not the angle. You saw the jump the corner had to have on that ball. Um, he made. A, a, a tippy toe or no not tippy toe would it tip fingertip fingertip mm-hmm. uh catch with you know the miraculous jump so I, I i know people think it was like intended for the back shoulder um even if it was you know coming off a curl you don't want to throw it that high because it's it's supposed to be a timing play right it's hit the curl bang bang as you turn the ball should already be coming um so i think it was a poor throw but i know people are upset that rashad bateman didn't try and fight for it um you know to me it just I, I think Bateman's completely lost all of his confidence like that's kind of how it looks he's he's not really walking with any swagger out there he doesn't look overly involved again I don't think Lamar really seems to trust him um so I I I would put it personally more on Lamar because I think the ball placement was off um and my my rationale for why I think the ball placement was off is the type of catch the corner had to have that was a guy facing the ball again that's kind of a comeback curl route where, you know, you want it to be coming towards you into your hands as you turn back. Um, so I, I know some people think he should have been a little bit deeper, but that ball was very high and very outside. So I think it was a poorly placed ball, um, but you always want to see your receiver try and fight for it. This is made, made a nice tackle, though. I got to give him credit there. <laughs> so, Cole, I want to talk to you about two other um, calls the officials made, and that's the Michael Pierce roughing the passer, mm. and then also the ejection of Kyle Hamilton, right? We could go on and on and on forever about the refs because they uh, they showed up to, you know, they showed up uh, to be the stars of, of our trip in London and certainly did a good job of that. They showed up and showed out, uh, brought a lot of dirty laundry. So, what was your opinion on the on the Michael Pierce in, or uh, sack, the roughing the passer call, and then the Kyle Hamilton ejection? Yeah, I mean, uh, like it, it. The basically they threw that flag on Michael Pierce because it's that new rule where the wording and the wording is quite clear. The the defense, the person tackling the quarterback can't land with. I think it's worded as like most of their body weight. Um, but I typically remember this being called when someone would kind of lift and then slam. It was kind of like pile driving, right? So that's how I always saw it. Um, in this case specifically, it was a wrap up tackle. And if you watch it, so Michael Pierce's helmet landed when he landed forward, it landed to the left of the body, which means like he was across his body, but as he landed, he rolled right which was away from his body. So the way I saw it and the way I would say from a coaching perspective is it was a wrap-up tackle that he was rolling off. It wasn't a forcible drive. Um, I just, I, 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 I get why they call it because it's that whole body weight rule, but I think it's got to be a little bit more of a step further where it's, it's an intentional driving of your body weight into the quarterback. And that wasn't this. Um, I would also argue he's rolled. He's also 350 pounds. Like as he's making contact, I don't know what you can expect from him to contort his body. In my opinion, rolling to the right off of his body was the Mm -hmm. most he could have done. And he did that. Therefore it should not have been a flag Um, on the Kyle Hamilton one. I, I don't know if you guys saw, I was, pretty into it with people on Twitter about this. Um, this is just one of those plays. So it's no doubt a 15 yard penalty The the helmet hit the helmet. No questions asked. That's the defenseless receiver rule. Um, it's very clear. It's if there's helmet to helmet contact, it's a penalty. So I dug in a little bit deeper because everybody's talking about targeting and what's the actual rule. So if the, and I went into the NFL rule book to, to, to get this so that I wasn't making crap up because there was also a lot of that on Twitter on Sunday. Um, but essentially, it, the penalty is a 15-yard penalty, or if it's considered to be a flagrant penalty, 
then it can be an injection. So in the pref the preface of the NFL 2023 year or rule book, it says the word flagrant when used here to describe an action by a player is meant to indicate that the degree of a violation of the rules, usually a personal foul or unnecessary roughness, which is this call is extremely objectionable, conspicuous, unnecessary, avoidable, or gratuitous. That is the definition that the ruling was made on. So we're really looking at unnecessary and avoidable here. Um, so could Kyle Hamilton have avoided the helmet-to-helmet contact? The reason I say that it wasn't flagrant is because he was making a play on the ball. The first part of Kyle Hamilton's body to make contact with the wide receiver, Chris Moore, was his arm going through the catch point. He, he did hit helmet-to-helmet, and so there it is a 15-yard penalty. But was that avoidable? I think it wasn't because he, his main intention, and he, I mean, it does specifically say intention or intent to injure isn't part of the rule, but it's about, like, what was he trying to do? I don't think he was trying to hit him in the head, um, and I don't think it was avoidable because to avoid it means he's not able to make a play on the ball. It's just one of those bang-bang plays where these guys are moving so fast. I don't think he let with his helmet i think his arm goes through first so i would argue it should not have been an ejection but it was absolutely a 15 yard penalty just because of how the rules are written it's helmet to helmet contact flag no questions asked i just don't think it was flagrant and cole how good of a play was it up to that point that kyle hamilton was even in the picture to make a pet like if i remember correctly he he came a pretty big distance absolutely. so how does he avoid doing that he doesn't right. Make contact. That's where I think I'm getting like you go and you and then you look at some of the comparables last week. Um, there was the the play, they called it a controversial penalty. Um, it was in the Browns game, the Browns against the 49ers, the 49ers DB mm-hmm, hit mm-hmm. A, and they, they receiver. They called it, but because it like that one wasn't considered flagrant. So again, mm-hmm. it's like made complete contact between his shoulder and his neck. Um, why wasn't that one called? There was also one in the Seahawks game. Uh, where Jake Bobo literally got smashed in the face, it looked worse. So it's like, why? And so I think this is my frustration with the call is, and I'll tell you exactly why I think they did it. Primetime game, a lot of people watching, 9.30 in the morning. um, New York's looking, he sees Chris Moore down, and I'm sending nothing but my best wishes to Chris Moore. Don't want to see anyone getting hurt like that. Um, I think they saw him down, rolling on the ground, and they said, get him out of here because everyone's watching. That's my Mm -hmm. take on it. Yeah, yeah, that uh, wouldn't shock me because they are in London trying to grow the game worldwide. Doesn't look good when a guy's knocked out. Um, I I got to ask you about Justin Metabike because this guy is is playing at an all-world level right now. I mean, this guy absolutely was taking the game over. And then after after you tell me uh, 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 what you saw from Justin Metabike, I got to ask you the same question I've asked Jimmy. Uh, Metabike or Pat Queen if you can only sign one? going forward those are the tough questions uh yeah bad bk is on another level he was my film breakdown this morning uh looking at what he did in the run and the past game he's really put it all together he's through six games he's already on pace to absolutely smash his career highs and pressures and run stops um he's just playing fast he's playing fast he's playing physical um the the biggest thing i've noticed is his ability to create leverage with his hands um he's finally pairing that with his explosive athleticism and that's where he's winning so many of these pass rushes he has one pass rush win where he won as an edge player um he was lined up as a d end and um you know that's just he has that type of athleticism to give him that upside who would i pay between matabike and queen Oh, that's a tough one because both are just playing insanely well right now. Queen with his running mate, uh, Roquan Smith. I'd vote for them. Um, They're just so fun to watch. They're playing selfless football. Um, They both fit exactly what Mike McDonald wants to do. I will go with Justin Matabike because I would put more money into the pass rush versus paying two inside linebackers. Um, I'm not as high on him as other players, but... Trent Simpson has a similar skill set in terms of that explosive athleticism. He was a really dynamic blitzer when he was used that way at Clemson. So I think in terms of what Mike McDonald's asking Queen to do beside Roquan, I think Trent can develop into that better than we have a defensive tackle that's going to become a pass rusher. So I would pick Matabike over Queen for those reasons. But no, no, no slack to, to Queen on that. He's playing extremely well. 
Yeah, I think I agree with you in that. Like, he's just a bit more rare of a find. Uh, but it also it also be interesting to see what sort of market there is for Metabike in comparison to Pat Queen because it could just be absolutely through the roof uh, for Justin. Yeah. <laughs> but I want I want to ask about um, this is kind of a macro you know a macro view of the offense in general. We a lot of us have talked about the development of Munkin as a OC. You know, we can only see that through the play call, through the intent, and then obviously through the execution. But how have you, you know, we're six weeks in. How do you feel about this offense now that you've seen six weeks of it? And are there any areas where you've seen some dramatic improvement in comparison to, you know, week one, week two, to where we are today? I think at full health, the pass protection's taking some steps. Um, I know people think there was a lot of pressure on the on Sunday. It really wasn't. Um, I went through and charted them again. A lot of the pressure was coming late. Um, and I mean, you could say it's from Lamar holding the ball, but it's just guys aren't getting open. And I think my biggest disappointment was I was expecting more out of the scheme, out of the spread concepts, out of guys getting open, out of our wide receivers. Um, so I would say that's one area where I've been disappointed. I'm encouraged to see um, the improvement in pass protection. I'm still worried about Ronnie. He's still not anchoring well. His movement skills are well, but it's like he struggles to, sorry, I shouldn't say he struggles. He, he doesn't trust planting his ankle and taking on contact. That seems to be the issue. Um, John Simpson also had a really rough game, but Tyler Linderbaum and Kevin Zeitler and Morgan Moses that for basically center to right tackle, they're playing really good football when they're healthy. Um, so I think that's great. So I would say the pass protections come along a little disappointed in terms of the separation guys getting open a little bit of the creativity and the play calling. I'm getting a little sick of seeing Zay flowers motion behind the quarterback. There was actually the play I was referring to early where Andrews got doubled. Uh, Andrews on the right side of the formation. He ends up running a deep curl in the end zone with two defenders on him, And all Zay flowers did on that was do a, a jet motion behind Lamar and then stand on the right side. So you basically you use the motion like a jet sweep motion to fake the defense. And then Zay flowers just stood in the corner and didn't even run a route. It's like, he's one of your most dynamic players, get him downfield to do something. Like mm-hmm. I, I just like, I'm getting, a, there's, they're, they're basically trying to manufacture touches, but then using those manufactured touches as I guess a fake within the play call. Um, but I'd like to see him used a little bit more conventionally. If they want to do that, Go use Duvernay to do that. That's what he's kind of there to do. Um, so that's what I I would say is a couple of things that I'm disappointed with. Um, also would like to just see, again, let's get the run blocking going. I, I really think they need time and zone concepts to gel as an offensive line. I think we've seen a little bit of progress, um, but they almost – People won't really want to hear this, but you you got to keep calling the concepts and let them grow. It takes a long time for that chemistry to quit to click when you're you know running combo blocks and that sort of thing. So even if you have a couple games where it's not really working, you got to keep kind of beating the dead horse to get things to click. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And I hope they can continue to get better. Eli says penalties are what's keeping teams in these games. We need to clean up the fumbles as well because it's like they aren't practicing ball security. At all. Well, a lot of those fumbles are just, you know, there's chase down punch outs. So, I mean, certainly you got to, you got to hang on to it. But a lot of those fumbles by the skill positions have been those chase down punch outs. But, you know, they definitely got to clean them up. Lamar has to continue to, to, to protect the ball. But some of that's just bad luck, bad timing. Like, you know, as he's, you know, cocking back to throw the ball, the ball gets stripped. You know, that's, I'm not sure that's on him, more on the offensive line. Um, but to say they're not practicing it, eh, I don't think that's, uh, necessarily the case, Eli, but, um, I certainly understand your frustration. Uh, and Cole, I want to ask you about Gino. It looks like they're going to be without Marcus Williams now for a couple weeks. Sit the man. He's only got one arm. Yeah. Sit him for as long as you need to. What are they? We had a pick if he's got two arms. I couldn't like, that was the most ridiculous play I've ever seen. He broke yeah. on that ball like a true ball hawk, and he can't catch it because he can't bring his arm up. Yeah, I mean, like how insane would have that been if he just Kawhi Leonard that? I and not. Just, <laughs> and just, just basket caught it. You know did what I mean? See the account that like JP Football Twitter account was trying to. They said he made a business decision on Derrick Henry's touchdown. He's got one fucking arm, and it was his arm that was Dude. he would have had to tackle him with. Like he can't play. So I mean, here's the problem with Marcus Williams. It's do you 
what do you do? Because it sounds like he needs surgery, which probably takes him out for the rest of the year. But yeah. do you want him playing with one arm? Because like that could cost you a game. I I, I don't know. It's that's a very crappy situation to be in. Yeah, and and I got to imagine the fact that they ran him out there with one arm tells me that the coaches think that he's valuable to be out there, even with just one arm. And to to his credit. And literally, as the play's going, I'm going, how the hell is Marcus Williams going to get this guy on the ground with one arm? He did it. He got him on the ground with one arm, and he did have a pass breakup on a play that he should have had an interception, but he still had the pass breakup. So, obviously, the coaches think, even with one arm, it's still better to have him on the field than not, and that's with Geno Stone doing what he's been doing. So, why do you think it is that they're so hesitant to just let him sit and let Geno and Kyle run the show on the back end? Yeah, I'm wondering if part of the problem is that there's no amount of rest in the next 16 weeks that's going to lead to him being healthy. Um, I it's it's one of those things where if it requires surgery to get him right, and he's going to do that surgery in the off season, um, they're thinking 60% of Mark 70%. What's what's if you lose one arm? <laughs> what's, the, what's the percentage there? 75% one limb. Um, you know, what, what's the, is that percentage going to still be an upgrade? Um, Cause that's the only thing about Kyle Hamilton and the way that they're using him as a slot as well. You don't have that third safety back there to do some of the things with Geno stone that you want to do. Um, so it just kind of factors into the flexibility that I think Mike McDonald wants to have. Um, and I know you asked about Gino and Gino's playing phenomenal right now. Like his biggest issue, not issue, but his biggest weakness coming out was always his range. And he's kind of that guy that doesn't have elite athleticism, but is able to cover for that with how intelligent of a football player he is and how, you know, he's got that, he's two steps ahead of you and those two steps make up for the lack of long speed. Um, and we're starting to see that. That's why he's getting these turnovers. He's getting himself. I know some of them have been like kind of fluky in a way. Um, it kind of where there's deflections like that Brandon Stevens one, but you know, how many times do people you say that about a guy like Ed Reed and I'm not comparing him to Ed Reed, but it's just good, smart football players put themselves in positions to get their hands on the football. And that's what Geno Stone's doing. He's just playing smart football. Um, he's like, Chuck Clark, if Chuck Clark took steroids for two years, um, that's kind of how I see it. So, <laughs> poor Chuck. I hope he's doing okay. No, I, yeah, ahead, me too. I, I'm happy. I'm happy for Gino though, because I know that we uh, a little bit nervous about the measurables coming out. But uh, ultimately, I like a good a good success story of a guy that's uh, of a non-standard body type out there crushing it. So it's uh, it's exciting. He's yeah, he's a quick thinker, man. It's a lot of fun to watch him out there. Um, I'm absolutely looking forward to seeing what he does for the rest of the season. Hey, Jimbo. Uh, I hey, ask, Jimbo. Yeah. I got, we got five minutes left of Cole. Okay. Okay. So you can add, but we got to hear if he's hearing anything, any whispers about Bowser. Yeah. 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 Go ahead. Now I have a, I have a, I have yeah, a question to, to kind of move into Detroit. So yeah, that's a good question. Go ahead. So Tyus Bowser obviously got hurt outside of the team facility, and that's why they can't make specific comments about the injury. Um, this is pretty common. It's, there's They're not allowed to comment on it. Um, so that's number one. Number two is it sounds like he could he's medically cleared by, and people can have their own issues with whether or not you put weight into the team's medical staff. I, I don't want to get into that. Everyone could have their opinion on that. Um, he's cleared to play essentially and it sounds like he doesn't he's choosing not to and i mean it's not that's not even inside anymore like john harbaugh saying i'm gonna like let tyus talk about tyus that's mostly because he was hurt outside the facility and john harbaugh can't talk about it but we've seen john harbaugh do this on two other occasions that pop out to me one was during jk dobbins holdout he basically just kept saying when JK is ready to be out here. We'll be ready to coach him. And Ron, when Ronnie Stanley was first coming back and it sounded like, remember the video of him walking in the sand and like, mm -hmm. he's like kind of doing these things. And we've seen it from Tyus where he's been kind of moving around. He's throwing footballs in the pregame. Like he's doesn't seem hurt. He's doing some stuff that we saw from Marlon Humphrey, but then Marlon Humphrey came back one week later. Um, so it's just, I think I he said, you know, when Tyus is ready to be out here, there's a decision to Tyus. We'll be ready to coach him. Said the same thing about Ronnie. Said the same thing about JK. I read this pretty clearly as he can play. It's up to him to come play. And, I mean, we're seeing 
and I'll be pretty clear about this. This is a new thing in professional sports where guys aren't, and, and I'm, this isn't a critique. I'm not cr- criticizing guys. I don't play the game at the level that they do. I'm not going to sit here um, at 5'8", 180 and criticize these guys. Um, but uh, it's, it's, it's a new movement, essentially, where players have more autonomy to make decisions about their health, right? Um, so it's, it's, that's becoming more prominent, and I think we're not used to it within the culture of sports yet. Um, so as guys continue to make decisions about their own health, um, and a lot of that started over concussions and, you know, feeling right. Um, I remember there was a whole thing about Jarvis Landry when he wouldn't play because he still didn't feel right, even though he cleared concussion protocol, people were kind of all over him. Um, but you know, it's going to start manifesting itself everywhere. Um, where guys are medically cleared, but not ready to play. They're losing confidence. They don't have confidence in their body to go out there and perform. They don't feel comfortable. Um, so that's how I see it. And I think John Harbaugh's words today were pretty clear. Yeah, it's we're at an intersection between science and rub some dirt on it, right? That bang on. That's the best way to put it. That was the culture for so many years. Are you hurt or are you injured? If it ain't broken or bleeding, get up. Like, how many times did right. we hear that from our parents growing up? I know when I was playing hockey, get the wind knocked out of you. It was, well, are you hurt or are you injured? It's like, well, I guess if I'm hurt, I'm getting back out there. That was just the culture, right? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Now, Cole, this is my last question I have for you. Can you guys hear me okay? Yep. Okay, cool. Talk to me about the Detroit Lions, man. I mean, this team seems to be legit, seems to be real. Any, any, you know, from the outset, it's only Tuesday. What has you most concerned? What should the Ravens fans be looking out for from a, either offensive or de- defensive perspective when it comes to the Detroit Lions in this matchup with the Baltimore Ravens? What part of the game do I love the most, guys? The trenches. Uh, offensive line. <laughs> their trenches are good. Uh, their trenches are what powers that team. Uh, they beat you physically. They're a very physical football team. Um, and they 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 exert their will in the trenches on you. And they have, they have a top five offensive line. Um, it's going to be a line that's going to give us some challenges. They're athletic. They match up. The matchup's fun in the sense like this is an O-line, D-line, someone that's into that type of game. Um, this, watching this film is going to be so fun. Uh, they have a five-man group that's very athletic, very physical. We have a you know a defensive line right now that's very physical. You know the, What our linebackers are doing, what Kyle Hamilton's doing when he gets up in the box, very physical football. They're not, they're not just tackling. They're getting out there and hitting. So this is going to be a big challenge, I think, Losing David Montgomery is huge for them. He's been playing so well. Um, and again, they're, you know, kind of, and credit to Jared Goff. Jared Goff's been playing really, really good football. They got threats and Amon Ross St. Brown, Josh Reynolds playing really well. Guy like Khalif Raymond can, you know, turn big plays in. Uh, yeah, they got uh, that tight end too, Sam Laporta. So yeah. they got weapons out there. They got an O-line that's going to power them. On the D-line, they got a true edge rusher and, and Aiden Hutchinson, who's finally, you know, stepping up they got alan mcneil inside big physical and they guy said david ajabo might be better right yeah seriously um so they and they're deep i mean they got romeo quora and julian aquara coming off the bench so i mean it's just it's a deep group they're physical they're fast um they got fast linebackers i just think it's one of these games where whoever wins that battle in the trenches whoever protects the football that's going to be who comes out on top and so you know, I'd love to see our run game get clicking. Um, but you know, it's really on those boys, the big hogs up front. They got to get it done. Yeah. Well, Cole, appreciate you once again, being with us. Uh, I know you got to get out of here guys. If you haven't done so yet, please go over to Cole's YouTube channel, road graders, hit the subscribe button, check out his breakdowns. You'll be a smarter football fan because of it. Cole, thanks so much. <laughs> See you next week, man. Thanks a lot, boys. Enjoy the uh, game this weekend. Are you guys are you guys going? It's in back in Baltimore. Uh, we won't be at this one now. You guys won't be at that one. We'll I gotta get down to one from our uh, from our living rooms. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. I hear you. All right. Enjoy the game, guys. Thanks a lot, chat. Take care, everyone. See. Um, but yeah, that was uh yeah. The Lions are gonna be. It's interesting. I saw Kyle Van Noy on the. I think it was Pat McAfee show. I watched his interview and. He was asked, it seemed like A.J. Hawk was kind of trying to, uh, like, make see if he was frustrated by the fact that teams are, or, or people are overlooking the Ravens. He talked about how they were hyping up the Browns' number one defense. They were hyping up 
you know, Joe Burrow and, and them Bengals are turning things around and and the excitement about what George Pickens and Pickett are doing over in in, in uh, Pittsburgh. And he said, uh, you guys are being overlooked. How do you think? And, and Kyle Van Noy said, well, look at it. Look at it like this. We beat a first-year starter making his first start in the Texans. We lost two tough games. Uh, and we beat a Browns team with a backup quarterback. And we, be, and we beat uh, – we beat uh, a, a team last week in the Titans who were up and down and had their quarterback knocked out. He said, I look at this Lions team game as the first game. We get to prove if we're a good football team or not. So I was kind of a surprised at his like, you know what? They're right. Let's go prove it this week. Do you look at it this way? Is this is clearly the best and toughest matchup that they played all year, Jimbo? That's tough. Part of the reason it's tough for me is because I don't watch the Lions as close as I do like the Bengals, for example, right? Because – you know, in those examples that he gave, look, the lot, the, the Bengals were everybody's whipping boy, right? In the first three weeks of the season. But let's be honest, the Bengals have turned around and all of a sudden Joe Burrow's everybody's darling all over again. So- oh boy. Okay. Well, apparently those guys in Cincinnati didn't like all what Jimbo had to say. All of a sudden he's healthy. All of a sudden he's not healthy thing. Like it's- <laughs> he didn't even stop sentence. Jimbo, yeah. you left, you got kicked out, and then came back in, and you were still in the same sentence, bro. <laughs> I paused for a second because I saw what happened. Uh, no, but, I mean, look, I think the Bengals, everybody seems to think they're a really good football team, right? So it's like when we play them and we beat them up, it's because they're unhealthy, and now all of a sudden they're good. So I understand Kyle's point, but also mm, I, I think the Bengals were a true test, but I understand his point. Fair point taken, nonetheless. Yeah, let's hope that this uh, another NFC team takes on like like we saw with the Niners. They come over, they think they're going to beat up on the third string Browns team, and they take an L. Uh, let's hope that something like that. What is it, up it, with the? What was dude? The not really what? It seems so unnecessary. Dude, All with of the it. Niners. Yeah, dude, I watched that game. The Niners had 215 total yards, and they had like 86 yards on the first drive of the game. Like, it it was like weird. It was so weird. They looked like they just didn't know what to do all of a sudden. Shanahan had no answers. And uh, it it was, it was a, it was crazy. I'm like, okay, good. We won. Let's go watch the Browns lose. Let's watch the, the, the kitty cats lose the tough one in Seattle. But no, everybody else wins. They stay pay. They keep pace with the Ravens, which, Hey, I'm glad the Ravens won. They needed it now. uh, Seeing Seeing as though everyone else won, JL says, I'd like to see Munkin be more aggressive with the lead. Seems like we run into stacked boxes to run the, run the clock and throw on third and long, which is why we struggle to close out games. Sounds more like John Harbaugh than Todd Munkin. What do you think about that comment from JL, Jimbo? It's funny. I've had that thought that that could be a John. Look, one thing I'll say is I don't believe John steps into the sphere of his – he's not a micromanager. I don't think he, like – you know, uh, steps in and, and intercepts a play call. I, I think he's probably do that. He's probably done that in seldom moments in his career. But I do think philosophically, when you come in and work for John, you know, you have to have some sort of overlap with his philosophy. And so if John says, look, we're built to play with the lead and this is how we do so, then to a certain extent, I think Todd's going to acquiesce. But I would like to, to be a bit more aggressive with it because we got a solid defense in any circumstance, right? Like, Trust your defense and go out there and rip it, man. I, I, I know clock management is the thing and you got to run the football and, you know, whatever. People will say the contrary, right? If something goes wrong, we have two, we're up by 10, have two, three and outs, and all of a sudden we're down by four in a matter of three minutes, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like that would be a huge problem. But uh, I see Jail's point and, and I, I like the idea. I just, I like the aggression. I think it would be a lot of fun. And I think Todd wants to be more aggressive too. I'm get, I'm guessing as an OC, it's probably his nature. Uh, certainly, aggressive being aggressive with the lead to me is similar to when the Ravens show aggression by going forward on fourth down. It's like it's a good idea if they're executing well, but if they're right, not, execute. then being aggressive can lead to a lot of bad things happening, and you coughing up and giving up leads quickly where you're yep. not killing time because you choose to go throw, throw, throw. And if you go throw, 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 and it's incomplete, 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 you've killed no clock. You give the other team the ball back with momentum. So yep. it's the same thing to me as when they go for it on fourth down. If the offense is hitting, 
and they're and they're catching the ball, then let's yeah, let's whip it around. Let's be aggressive and let's throw the ball maybe in a run in a typical run situation. But if they're not, we're dropping balls, then let's not be aggressive that game. Let's try and get out of here with a win and keep the lead that we got. I yeah, think it's so maybe all game it's, to maybe, game, case to case. Yeah, maybe it's John and Todd kind of reading the room. Yeah, because I don't want them to be aggressive if they're not hitting. Yeah, yeah, and saying, look, this is where we're at right now from an execution standpoint, also from a headspace standpoint. Uh, So this is what we've got to do. So that's a good point. The other thing, too, Glenn, was we got to get to our competition winner this week um, and and talk about BetUS. Of course, as you guys know, we've been partnering with BetUS, having a lot of fun with it. We've been seeing that some of you guys have as well. And feel free to, you know, uh, add us as you, you know, uh, make some bets and use the promo code. You know, anyone on social media, we'd love to see what you guys are doing. But, uh, yeah, check out BetUS. Uh, use our promo code 410 or use the link in the description to get 125% match. So you get 100% match plus 25% just for a cherry on top, up to $2,500. You got season-long bets. Uh, you got single-player bets. You got t- game bets. You got over-under bets. You got prop bets. Everything. Check it out. Have some fun. Get, get the friends involved. Um, look, I know a lot of people like to keep in touch with their friends via – uh, via video games and things like that. Look, fantasy football and and gambling together is obviously responsibly is another fun way to do it, right? You got yeah, some man. old buddies, so uh, go join in on the fun and 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 uh, and and bust each other's chops when one of you guys lose. So uh, use the promo code. But uh, this week, Glenn, we got a new winner. Yeah, man, a our, first our, time. Our um, viewer. Yeah, talk to me about it. Yeah, first time winner, and just shout out to Jimbo. Look, some people think we're um we're reading a bet a bet US script when we're reading it. Jimbo reading it off the windshield. By the way, we still have the script. It's mounted below his rearview mirror. He reads the bet US script. It doesn't matter if he's driving; he still gets it done. So shout out to Jimbo for that. But yeah, first time winner uh, this season. Here we go, Bruno Moraine. Shout out to Bruno for being. A first-time winner did submit his uh, uh, his his competition um, predictions on YouTube. Uh, so shout out to Bruno and also Bruno. If you want to <laughs> claim your prize, send us your shirt size and home address to one of the private social media's uh, accounts. DM us. Do not submit a comment here and tell everyone who re- watches this video your home address. I don't think that's a good idea unless you really want a lot of fans to show up for the game. And maybe you want to spread some love and have some people over. Hey, do it that way if that's how you so choose. But um, shout to Bruno for winning this competition. Also, first-time winner this year, DK. So, you know what? You and Bruno, DK, are sharing sharing your first-time win. And, you know, all I can say is, Bruno, I hope you win a lot more this year. But I don't hope DK wins any more this year, okay? I I think I need to get back to the rightful place (laughs) and top the competition. Well, you you'll have to win two in a row to get back in first place, uh, not just one. Nah, because um, I have the tiebreaker. So, um, uh, so I only need to win one. Why do you have the tiebreaker? I'm I'm the champ from last year. So if anything, you have to knock me out. It's to a take height the thing. You see. <laughs> sure. If it only if it only worked that way. If it was uh, that simple. But I gotta ask this question though. Yeah. Oh, if we'd be in a world of trouble worldwide, right? It was like, yeah. All the, the NBA time. would rule the world. Oh, no. I think we're losing Jimbo. He was just getting ready to ask me a very, very important question. I mean, it was going to be life-changing. And now we get a frozen Jimmy smile. <laughs> oh, there we go. See, hey. look, now I'm over here. Glenn's done. Hacked my phone. I mean, you're talking to no one just because I'm in first place. You see, this is haterade, ladies and gentlemen. smile on your face, at least. You froze with a big, big smile. Hey, well, you know, that's 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 the smile of a person in first place. But uh, I got to ask a question. How many yeah. did Bruno get correct, DK? He got all four. Know? He got all four. Yeah, Adam, DK's holding up four. Dude, so he wiped the he wiped the floor. With us, he oh, literally yeah, waxed us like at a bowling alley and just all the way down the lane. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. Oh, man, bounce back Shout week out this to week. Bruno. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For everyone. Only, yeah, he uh, he knocked it out of the park. Got to give him credit there because this is a bad week. I think even our winner, DK, only got two of the four correct. So um, Bad week yeah, for us. Not our, our finest week. But, look, we're going to bounce back. We're going to have a, a good week next week. And, look, we're going to bounce back starting Friday when we have our pregame show. We have a great guest, Jeff Risden, who's joined us a couple times, writes for USA Today. Uh, runs the Lions Wire. The guy, the guy's been around, seen it all, done it all. Super happy that he can come on and join us, give us a Lions perspective. Obviously, we'll have our competition that DK will update. Uh, I'll be back on top because I do have the tie break, and being as though I'm the tallest member of the show staff, um, so we're we're gonna uh, we're gonna get right back to it. I hope you guys can join us on Friday, eight o'clock. Be here or be square. Is that how it goes? Yep, yeah, that is. Yeah. That is, bud. <laughs> All right, guys, we have a great night, and we'll talk to you soon. See you. See you.